So this is one of my favorite Torah portions, um, and I've, well, I've been a rabbi for like seven years, which means I've preached on it for how many times? You're all listening, that's good. Um, at least seven times. I might have referenced it when it wasn't this Torah portion. But um, um, it's, it's a blessed Torah portion because we see uh, Jacob wrestling, you know, and there's so much that I'm not going to get into. You'll have to listen to um, previous sermons to understand, like, my thoughts on his wrestling match. Um, but really, he came out of that wrestling match as a new man because the conniver went away. He was renamed. So Jacob the deceiver, Jacob the conniver, conniving, jiving Jacob, I think I mentioned him last week, that went away, and he was renamed to Israel during that wrestling match. We see that he had his reconciliation with his brother Esau, and there's amazing um, revelation in that. But today I'm going to talk about what happened next. And over my seven years of being a rabbi, uh, I'm just going to look at Val smiling the whole message, and I'll know it. everything's going to be okay. <laughs> um, so what happened after that is something I've never preached on before, but I'm going to preach on it today because there are a lot of lessons in it. So let me recap something. So he left Esau and him and his camp, Jacob and his sons uh, and his daughter, um, settled in a place called Shechem. So they settled there. So they, it's part of Canaan, Canaan. So they settled there, and they were pretty happy. You know, it says that he bought some land. He set up his, his, his establishment, his tents and everything. He kind of like made a place for himself. He got comfortable. He got comfortable in a place that really spiritually wasn't his. His daughter, Dina, it says, went out to inquire. Went out to inquire of the ladies of the land. They might have been having like a woman's fellowship. Probably very dissimilar to the one that we had. Because they didn't have Zoom yet. And for other reasons. She was inquiring of the ladies. Then, the prince of the land, the one whose name is Shechem. The place is Shechem and the prince of the land is Shechem. He took a liking to Dina and violated her. In some translations, it's a rape. Trigger alert. In actually some translations, it was a little more um, um, consensual. But it says that he violated her. Not a good thing. Jacob heard about it. Didn't do anything at the moment. His other sons heard about it, and they were enraged over this situation. How dare these uncircumcised, dirty people violate our sister. So Shechem and his dad went over to Jacob and his sons and said, listen, my, my son really loves your daughter. So how about we become one people? How about we intermingle and intermarry? We'll just become one people. And then Jacob's sons went back to Shechem and dad and said, we can't do that. That's unlawful for us. How about you guys first get circumcised 
because we can't have our daughters, our ladies, with uncircumcised men. So you guys get circumcised and we're in. We'll become one people. We'll intermarry with each other and we'll, we'll, we'll become like one people, I guess, genetically. And they said, sounds good. I'll do anything because I, I so dig this chick. I'll do anything. You got it. So he went back to town to all the Shechemites and said, this is what we're going to do. They did it. Three days later, all the men were like, And when they were in the most pain, good old Levi and Simeon, Shimon, two sons, went and led an attack on the entire land, killed Shechem himself, killed his father, every man, and took all the spoils back home to daddy. And daddy went, what the heck did you just do? What in the, why in, in, in God's green desert did you do that? Why in God's green desert did you go and kill everybody? We are trying to live peacefully in this land here, and you did something like that. So that's the story. Um, there are a couple lessons that came to me uh, in this whole story, and um, I'm going to bring them together. There's a couple of important lessons. Number one, it is very important to recognize that um, this whole thing started because Dina inquired of the ladies. She got interested in the things of the world, in the things of the land. Now, don't get me wrong. This is not putting blame on Dina, okay? Make that very clear. Let's make it clear. If anybody is abused, then it is not your fault, period. There's no ever excuse for abuse if you are Abused in any kind of way, it is not your fault. So I'm not saying it is Dina's fault. But what I am saying is that there's a lesson in this for the people of God. When you enmesh too much with the world, the world will violate you. When you have too much interest in the world. See, it says, um, I think it was John that said, don't be surprised that the world hates you. And this is not just like, like a person who may dislike you. This is a spiritual reality that the spirit of this world hates the people of God. And Satan, if Satan cannot kill you, he will try to absorb you into his world. And he'll try to bring mixture into your life of the holiness that you have and the unholiness of the world. And this is actually, because we have Hanukkah starting this Thursday night, this is actually a Hanukkah message. Because what happened back then, it wasn't just that Israel was being occupied militarily by the Syrians. There was also the peaceful influence of the Greek culture that got into the mindset of the people of God. And because the Greek mindset came into Israel, people were losing their faith in God. Do you see, when we're too much enmeshed in the world, the world will violate us. It says we are in the world, but we're not of the world. And we need to be mindful of this, and we need to be cautious 
because here we are. And we go about our lives, and we go about our day, and we go about our work, and we watch this on television, and we go to this, and we get involved in this cultural thing, and we need to be careful. It says in Romans, don't be conformed to the world. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So, why do we need to have a transformed mind? So, we know the perfect and acceptable will of God. Because we need that transformed mind when we are in the world. And don't think that the spirit of the world has good intentions. If you look into the story of when, like, Shechem and his father uh, came and, and said, yeah, we'll do anything. I love your daughter. We'll do anything you want. Just become one people. Do you understand that when it says, let's intermarry and become one people? That's, that's not a good thing. The people of God should be cautious of that. Imagine the world saying to you, as an ambassador of the kingdom of God, saying, let's combine. Let's combine what you have with what I have. Yeah, you can keep your faith. You know, it's like this universalism. You keep what you have, you, we'll keep what we have, and we'll, in, we'll, we'll combine and we'll become one beautiful universalist thing. We need to be mindful of when, when, the, when the world is looking to kind of dilute our spirituality. That's the ploy and the plot of the enemy. If he can't kill us, he wants to dilute us. Do you understand? He wants to dilute us. But we must remain strong in the things of God. And we know they gave it all away. Their intent was given away in this Torah portion. Because they went to Jacob and the son said, we love love your daughter and we'll do anything, anything you want. Just let me marry your daughter and let's, let's, let's intermarry to become one people. Then they went back and they said, Let's just do that for them. We'll own all their stuff. That's what the father said. The king said, don't you know that we will own all their cattle and their this and their that? In other words, they said, yeah, let's just become equals. But really what was happening in the background is that we will overtake them. And that is the ploy of the system of the world. To dilute our spirituality and to replace it with things of the world. Is this making any sense? Okay. Are you just saying yup or is it making sense? This is a Hanukkah message that we need to be mindful of the Greek, of the worldly influence and stay true to our faith in God. And this is more and more and more and more important as time goes on as we approach the end. The oil in, in, the, in the lamps that we have to have. The oil, that's righteousness. That's not just like staying awake all night. That's righteousness. Those, that's the things of God. That's the oil. Don't let that oil, that fire, be diluted or snuffed out. Do you understand? Very important. That is lesson number one from this. Lesson number two is a little more personal. So do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, Dina was conformed. She 
let herself be conformed to the world a little bit. And that kind of precipitated the events. Then we see an example of being transformed by the renewing of your mind and an example where there was not a renewing of the mind. So let me explain. So this thing happened, and then Shechem and his dad come over to Jacob and the sons and said, look, this is what happened. This is what we want to do, right? Jacob found out about it, and it says that Jacob held his peace. Jacob held his peace. His sons, Levi and Shimon, they did not hold their peace. They were ready to kick some holy butt. They were ready to tear off some heads. And you could almost relate to it. Right? Like their sister was violated, and it's almost like you would think that they were justified in their need for revenge. Even the Torah gives, like an, uh, gives a, you know, a way for, for those who, who need revenge. You know, like, like if somebody kills somebody accidentally, the, the one who killed the person can flee to a, to a safe place. To a safe place to be safe from the avenger, to the one who's seeking revenge. Right? The Torah al al allows for that. So it almost seems like revenge is like, it's such a natural and un understandable thing. Like, yeah. Like, wh who do you relate to more? You are hurt. You've been hurt. You've been offended. You've been violated. Or somebody you love has been hurt. Oh, oh. Look out. Who do you relate to more? Jacob, who held his peace? Or the sons who were ready to just tear off their heads? Very often we relate more to the sons. But Jacob held his peace, and I like that expression. You know, because holding your, does it just mean keep silent? I like the expression, hold your peace. It's an expression that's an old expression we see in weddings, right? Like, so anybody wants to, you know, is not a proponent of the wedding, speak now or forever, hold your peace, right? Um, so hold your peace. See, that's an important lesson right there, to hold your peace. When you're hurt, when you're wounded, when you feel the need for revenge or reprisal, hold your peace. Why do we need to hold our peace? We need to hold our peace because something is willing and wanting to take our peace. So holding your peace, as it says in one translation, is not just keeping silent. It's guarding. It's holding your shalom. Hold your shalom. Guard your shalom. And it's so easy not to. But this is the renewing of the mind. This is the renewing of the mind, that you don't have to act based on feeling. No matter how indignant or righteous you feel. You know what people do all the time? You know what card they show? They pull out the card. They pull out the Yeshua tore down the temple card. Really, really easily. Every time you have an angry response, or want to tear, well, Yeshua tore down the temple. Do you know the reality that Yeshua went into the temple? How old was Yeshua, roughly? 32. When did he start going into the temple? 
child. So how many years has been going into the temple? About 30 years or so. How often did he see the money changers in the temple? Probably about 30 years. <laughs> this wasn't a one-time incident where he's like, he saw that and he just reacted. He saw that like every day of his life. Until it was the time where the Lord had him do that. But there is holiness. James says, um, James says that um, be slow to speak. Be slow to speak. Be quick. Thank you for the, for the, for the, for the, for the hint. Be quick to listen. Be slow to speak. And slow to anger. Because anger is not righteousness. That's what James says. Thank you for the hinting gestures there, Wendy. Be quick to listen. Slow to speak. She went like this. No, just kidding. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. And it's hard, but that's the renewed mind. Because without that, you don't know what God wants from you. Don't be conformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you know the perfect and acceptable will of God. If you just go with your gut. So I, I mentioned here that I'm learning new vocabulary words. You know, and sometimes I'll bring it forth to everyone if I'm doing some sort of new hobby to maintain my time. Right? And I like to be productive even in my times of boredom. That's why I learned Spanish, at least two words of it that I remember. You know, it's because I, I want to be productive either physically or um, mentally with my time, um, even in times of boredom. That's why um, even if I'm bored, um, I think Susie's on the call, that, sh um, you know, if I have nothing to do, I'll just pace around my house, my house like a mental patient. Because at least I know I'm getting some steps in. I'm doing something productive. So um, one of the productive things I'm doing to, um, to keep my mind active is learning vocabulary words on this app. So here's a word I just learned. It's probably like a super simple word for everyone else. Impetuous. That's a good word. Impetuous. It means acting without thinking. Acting without thinking. And it's so easy to do that. It's easy to do that. Like in these days, even so much in these days when there's so much spirits of division that want to have us hate each other because of masks, because of wearing a napkin over your mouth, or not, the spirit of division wants us to fight about these things. And I fall into that too. I got a buddy who just like sent me this. Uh, my, my, my best friend is, uh, he's not a believer. He's Jewish, but he knows that I'm a rabbi. He even had me do the uh, uh, service, when his, uh, funeral service for his dad of blessed memory in New Jersey who just passed away. I mean, run that. He's not a believer. You know, so you won't, any, nobody here will agree with his spirituality, but most of you will agree with his politics. Very, very right-wing, you know, you know, COVID hoax, you know, masks are useless kind of stuff. And he sends me this stuff, and there's a part of me that wants to tear his head open. 
Because I'm tired of hearing about it. You know, but... Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Breathe. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. You know what that means? It means get over it before bedtime or even before dinner time. So we need to be mindful to make sure that we are acting not impetuously, but according to the perfect will of God. That's what the verse means. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed in your mind. And it's so hard, especially if we are, um, have experienced abuse or if we have experienced hurt or we have been wounded. There will never be a fault in just taking a step back and, and just seeking the Lord on these things and not being quick to act, but slow to act and quick to pray and hold your peace. Hold your peace. Hold your peace. Bless the Lord. So the third lesson in this, which will be the final lesson in this part of the Torah portion, is how amazing God is, no matter how bad our mistakes are. When Levi and Shimon did what they did, it wasn't what their father wanted, right? Like, like the father went like, what did you do, guys? This wasn't good. This affected Jacob so much that when you look at the end, when Jacob was about to die and he put the blessing over his sons, he lumped Levi and Shimon together. They didn't even get a blessing. Jacob said over them, you are violent. I don't want to be in your presence. My spirit is not aligned with you. And you're just going to be dispersed in Israel. Like, it wasn't even a, a prophetic blessing. You know, the other kids, they got these amazing, you're going to the lion's cub. Behold the lion's cub, you know, like Judah. You're going to dwell by the sea, Zebulun. You know, all these, like, cool prophecies. They didn't even get a prophecy. They just got the repeat of what they did in the past. You guys are violent and get out of my face. <laughs> That's essentially what their father told them. They didn't even get individual blessings. They got lumped together. Read it. It's very interesting. Levi, Levi. When you now look at the whole Bible and you think of Levi, that tribe, what do you think of? The priests. They were his special portion. That means... God takes our worst mistakes and turns them into his greatest miracles. God takes our biggest mistakes and still he will use us for his purpose. What a blessing that is. That Levi, who got like no blessing at all, and the only prophetic word that he got from dad was, you are violent, get out of my face. No soup for you. No word of prophecy for you. Even 
Words of admonishment and curse have no effect on you when God wants to use you. No effect. Any word that speaks spoken against you will not prosper if God has other plans for you. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Every tongue looking to accuse will, what? Refute. I have to put that one in my app. This is the inheritance. The servants, the people of the Lord. Even words of curse and of discouragement have no effect. This one became God's special portion, unique portion, in charge of taking care of the tabernacle, his special portion, the Levites. God takes what is evil, and he'll still use you for good. Thank you, Adonai. And even after this whole thing, I'm amazed, like after this terrible, terrible event, you know, Jacob had now all the spoils. He had like the ladies and the, you know, so he told them all, all right, put your idols away. Just put your idols away. And they did. That means that they accepted the Lord. That's what it means. And his camp became large. And he started to march again. And it said that the people of the land were so scared of him, a spirit of fear over him and his camp went all around Canaan. This is God using us victoriously and mightily and powerfully, even after we messed it all up. So I want you to know that if you are, like me, impetuous, and if you are, like me, where sometimes you have trouble using your renewed mind and you wind up using your conformed mind a little too much, God knows you. He loves you. He's going to use you no matter what. He knew what he was getting into when he chose you. He knew how much you'd mess things up, and he still is going to use you as his special portion. So thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord God, that, that you see things that we don't see. Thank you, Father, that in our, in our biggest mess-ups, Lord God, yeah, you'll correct us, but you'll use us for your glory for your purpose. We thank you, Father, that in our greatest mess-ups, you just pick us up and clean us up and use us. Thank you, Father. So lesson one, don't be conformed to the world, especially now. Number two, be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you know the acceptable, perfect will of God. And number three, even when we mess it up, he's going to use you. So be encouraged. In Yeshua's name, amen.